calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, I'm Bob Danhauser of the CFA Institute staff, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Pete Ronane of the Center for Creative Leadership. Pete, welcome. Morning, Bob. So I've heard you note in the past that the World Health Organization um, calls stress the health epidemic of the 21st century um, with a potential cost to business in yeah. the hundreds of billions of dollars. It's just, just amazing. Did we reach a tipping point at some point where stress sort of overcame and, yeah. and became that kind of significant factor? Yeah, sure. If you think about it uh, in terms of our brains and how we've been wired, uh, our brains are marvelous at responding to an immediate threat that happens once in a while. So I was walking in my backyard recently and just out of the corner of my eye, I thought what I thought was a snake and I had an immediate <laughs> sort of stress pressure response to it. I might have even made a little noise, you know, sort of jumped out of the way. And it became funny when I realized it was a hose. Uh, our brains are great at that, but now we live in a fast-paced world that's so full of disruption that our brains perceive all of those emails, that traffic, running late for your flight, all of the people you have to manage, uh, managing in a virtual world, etc. Just all of those as, as constant threats. And our brains aren't wired to deal with that really well, particularly when we're not taking steps to, to offset that. So, yeah, to your point, I think there is a bit of a tipping point that we've, that we've reached that creates a feeling of more pressure and can lead to more stress. And are there differences amongst us? Are we all sort of hardwired the same way or are there genetic differences or adaptive yeah, differences? Th there's sort of a, a baseline in terms of how we, t we respond, but we do have different wiring in terms of who responds differently and with more reactivity. There are two parts of the brain, actually, the prefrontal cortex and what we call the limbic system that are involved in that dance. Your limbic system is that red alert, fight, flight, or freeze. And your prefrontal cortex is a younger part of the brain, but very energy intensive, that tells you, oh, calm down. This isn't so serious. It's not a threat. Some of us are actually born with a little bit more connectivity between those two systems. And over time, we can actually learn it through a variety of different practices mm. to lower our stress pressure responses, be less reactive, more deliberate. So somewhere in between that, the, the <clears throat> sort of um, just our innate natures as humans mm -hmm. and what we can learn to cope, are there cultural influences or anything sort of societally that um, tend to uh, impact that? Yeah, I think you can see it even at an organizational culture mm -hmm. level. Uh, different organizations uh, like to create or um, uh, just because of the nature of the work they do are more pressure filled, are more speed filled, etc. And then sure, that translates over into cultures in terms of how they approach and define work, how they approach and define the, the work week uh, and what work ethic looks like. So for sure, there's some variability in there about how we then create our own conditions of, of stress and pressure. Right. Well, that's a great lead into um, today. You're speaking at the 72nd uh, annual CFA Institute Conference, mm -hmm. a gathering of investment practitioners yes. who have voluntarily chosen um, <laughs> to work in a profession that's very dynamic, uh, lots of changes, but also yeah. stress is, is sort of an inherent part of this work. Yeah. If we try to moderate that stress, are we losing any of our edge? Are we sort of compromising our ability to perform? 
Yeah, a great question. It comes up all the time when I speak on this. And first off, we want to differentiate between pressure and, and stress. Uh, pressure are items in our external environment, like the pressure to perform, to meet deadlines, uh, to excel in your performance, to make that portfolio even better. That's pressure. Stress is our internal response to it. Um, so what a lot of people are really are saying, I need a little bit of pressure to perform. That's natural. I, I'm pressure prompted. I'm a bit of a procrastinator. And then as I feel the clock ticking, that gets me into gear. But when there's too much pressure in our environment and stress overwhelms us and we're consumed with thinking about it and ruminating about it and our energy is low, we underperform. We make more mistakes. Our emotional regulation goes out the door. We can't be creative. We can't engage in expansive thinking. We become very, very narrow on our task and really don't bring our best selves. What's the impact, do you suppose, of um, increasing digital work environments where there's less opportunity to um, take a break mm -hmm. or to, to unplug, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that one of the most important factors, do you think, in, in contributing this to be? It is for sure. There's been a lot written about our phenomenon of being always on. Uh, of course, the irony is those technologies, like many, where the promise of being a liberator, so it can give you more time away from the office and more flexibility. One of the impacts of that is, is we have learned, especially in the US, we've, we've forgotten how to vacate. We've forgotten how to like really take a meaningful vacation. We feel the need to constantly be connected and we don't unplug, it's ironic, we don't unplug to recharge. Right. And we definitely do need to do more of that. That is a core skill for better managing our energy, bringing our better selves in response to disruption and pressure and stress. So uh, I'm sure you've met some people in this business as I have who say, you know, this is my passion. Why would I want to unplug from this? This is what really gives me joy and purpose in life. Yeah. And you're telling me to, to take breaks from it. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, because what we know is that elite performers in any field, whether you're uh, Michael Phelps or a, a star scientist or uh, an elite musician, we know that elite performers don't just perform their task all the time. They perform it at a very high level and they are religious about recovery. They take a break so that they can get back on the playing field, back on the stage, back at work and perform at a high level again. Peak performance is not a constant, constant straight line. It's performing like that for a while, taking a break. So if you want to be an elite performer in whatever your profession is, however joyful you find finance, etc., you need to take breaks and recharge to bring your best self. So continuing that metaphor to elite athletes, yeah. I mean, they, the best of the best will look at pretty much every possible dimension. So nutrition yes. and muscle memory yes. and physiology for white collar professionals, folks who are stuck in front of a terminal or a desk. What's, yeah. what's the equivalent? What can people do to uh, be more resilient and manage stress better? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what those elite performers really pay a lot of attention to that doesn't get as much attention and uh, a white collar corporate athlete could pay attention to. It actually is sleep. Uh, and that's hard because people say, well, I can't get another extra hour or two. But the simple fact of the matter is the foundation for your best self rests literally and figuratively on that pillow every night. So upping your sleep even by 12 or, or 20 minutes a night has a restorative impact. And it sounds a little bit non-traditional, but some sort of a recharger during the day. So something uh, to the idea of power naps. Absolutely. The, the, the research around the nap is incontrovertible in terms of its impact on alertness, attentional control, emotional regulation. Again, bring your best self. As little as 12 minutes. You don't have to go hide under your desk for, for a half an hour. So what 12 minutes, even 12 minutes of just sitting there with your eyes closed and relaxing has a restorative impact. If people could do one thing and one thing only, 
that has the greatest impact. Does um, meditation approach that state? Do you actually physiologically need the unconscious state to reap the benefits? No, you don't. If you actually can develop a consistent uh, mindfulness or meditative practice, in that case, even as little as five to 10 minutes provides a similar restorative energy boost as a slightly longer nap. So, and there are great apps for that. Uh, Headspace, 10% Happier, uh, One Moment Meditation are all great sort of training wheels to, to start it. You don't have to become a Zen master for it to have an impact in a relatively short amount of time. CFA Institute uh, published a guide to mindfulness uh, yes. a few years ago and actually found some very interesting uptake amongst practitioners yeah. who are always looking for a tool to keep them on the I would urge your, your members to, to take a look at that. It's a great resource. And what about the fact that so much of our work is indoors? Is is a external break um, useful, again, from an evidence-based perspective? Hugely useful. The, the evidence around the impact of being outdoors and even better if you're going to be in nature at all, which I know is hard given Midtown. where people, where people <laughs> work. In, in Midtown, but even just getting outdoors, that, that fresh air and moving around is great for blood flow uh, to the brain. It reoxygenates, and most people would self-report even anecdotally. After that, they feel a little bit more clear-headed. They feel a little bit more alert. So even if it's what we call a walk and talk with a colleague, I need to meet with you and talk about these numbers. Can we just walk outside for 10 or 12 minutes, have that conversation, get moving? That's a great way to recharge and diminish stress. And what do you see from uh, the most progressive employers in terms of either design thinking or employee benefits that mm -hmm. would encourage um, resilience amongst the staff? Yeah, it's it's very mixed. I think the best of em uh, of employees uh, employers understand number one, uh, giving people choice during the day. Um, that performance isn't about presence. It isn't about seeing people working all the time. That they need an opportunity to regularly take breaks and recharge when is con when convenient for them. So mm -hmm. that matters a lot. Um, and giving employees a, a sense of, of control. So people love um, balance in their lives and like having a choice. So the ability to work remotely, for example, even just once in a while, allows people to inject a sense of control in that sort of disrupted busy day. And when you're working remotely, you often feel like it, you can more easily build in that walk around the, the block or take a call uh, on your headset while you're walking the dog or that sort of thing. And so you actually move more frequently, you're taking the breaks that recharge you. And that's part of the reason why remote uh, employees do tend to perform extremely well. Right. Are there generational differences? So the, the sort of stereotypical foosball um, table <laughs> in, in the break room works for, say, a millennial uh, employee. Yeah. Um, somebody my age looks at it and says, I don't know how to play foosball. Uh, uh, yes. What are you going to do? Yeah, I think what they're getting at with those sorts of things, like kind of the fun elements that you hear companies play into, yep. is some version of an outlet for a recharge. And so, again, it all comes down to choice. I was at a pharma company recently, and in their break area like this, uh, they had coloring uh, books because coloring is proven to be a, a mindful meditative activity. So it wasn't forced coloring, but it's there as, as an option for people to participate in if they want. Full circle, back to kindergarten. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> we were all pretty happy when we were in kindergarten. We were, we were. It was a good time. <laughs> Look, we've got just a minute or so left. Okay. Um, you mentioned sleep as being the most important thing that, that somebody can do to yeah. um, help them cope better. Give us one or two more ideas for how individuals can be resilient. Yeah, well, and you mentioned the outside uh, piece, piece as well. I think uh, another one uh, that's, that's really important for people People is what you mentioned, which is joy. 
uh, and, and purpose. So when we consistently feel connected in a meaningful way to the work that we're doing, um, that gives us an, an energy boost. So uh, bosses in particular in organizations can play an important role in helping their employees feel how what they're, understand how what they're doing matters, how it's contributing to the larger mission of whatever that organization is. When we feel that sense of meaning in our work, it really adds a little boost in our step, in our energy, uh, in our overall resilience. Great. Well, Pete Ronane, Center for Creative Leadership, thank you very much. Fascinating sure, work. I know you're getting a lot of attention here at the conference today, and now I understand why. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.